All right. Well, good morning, church. All right. It's good to see you. It's good to be back. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and grab it. Ephesians chapter 6 is where we're going to land. Finishing out our study in the book of Ephesians that we've been in for several months now. And uh, let me go ahead and thank Matt for filling in for me last week and John Cortinez for filling in the week before. Um, I was able to watch one of those. I, I was uh, too cheap to pay for the Wi-Fi on the plane, so I didn't get to see the other one. But uh, it, was, it was great for them to fill in. I appreciate that. And I uh, appreciate you, church, for all your prayers. We had a great uh, and fruitful week in, in uh, England. Uh, you know, we, we were able to take the gospel, and we, we brought it with a fever. And so I don't know if you've heard about that, but it was very contagious when we got there. Uh, now, a lot of our team got sick, and it, it was a challenge for the week, but God was in complete control. Um, Bristol uh, is a great little town, a, a city, really, and uh, God's doing something there through Freedom Church. And so Freedom Church is a church plant that we went alongside to, to help out and to work with. And really, this was the second year for their sports camp. And so the first year, they were able to do a sports camp and get about 13 students that came and... Uh, were a part of that. And then they got them to sign up for a youth discipleship program. And so these, these students went through the whole year doing the, this discipleship program, and two of those students out of the 13 gave their life to Christ throughout the year. And so through discipleship, ongoing discipleship, these kids were learning about Christ, and then two of them surrendered their life to Christ. And then on the Sunday that we were there at the church, another young lady who had been part of the discipleship program said, hey, I would I would love today to be the day that I accept Jesus as my Lord and Savior, but can I eat first? And so she wanted to eat lunch and, and then pray. And so that, we were like, okay with that. So, uh, you know, so you got to get your priorities in line, I guess. But she was able to do that. And then later throughout the week, another boy by the name of Cruz uh, gave his life to Christ. And he was in, he was in Papa Joe's team. Uh, so a lot of good things were happening there. And the, and the real goal for them was to use this for, for a reach out. And they wanted to double the amount of students that they had contact with. And so they went from 13 to, after the end of the week, 27 students had signed up to be part of their youth discipleship program. And so now they're going to be going through a weekly discipleship. And so uh, really exciting. I have a little bit of feedback. I don't know if you hear it. But uh, we, we were able to uh, come alongside them and do that. And really, the kids that got up and spoke at the end of the week, uh, two of them had given their life to Christ, and they encouraged others to sign up. And then, and then there was another young man, and he said, hey, can I speak? And they were like, yeah, you can, you can say something. And so he got up, and he talked about how important the meetings had been for him as a safe place to ask questions. And then he said, I don't believe in Jesus, but this is someplace I want to be. What a remarkable thought that the church was providing a place for even a kid who says, I don't believe in Jesus, that I want to be there. So how remarkable would it be to be a church where people who would even say, I don't, I don't know if I believe that, but I, I desperately want to be a part of that, would come in. And so I was reminded one day we were able to go uh, across the bay to Wales. I mean, we were 20 minutes, so we were like, hey, can we just drive over there and say we went to Wales? And so they're like, yeah, one afternoon. So we, we went to Wales and and there was a Welsh revival that took place in 1904. And when this Welsh revival started, there was, there was a minister, a Presbyterian minister, an evangelist by the name of Seth Joshua. And, and, and as I've heard about it, they talked about it. This guy, he walks up in the middle of this, this meeting, and he says this one simple prayer. Lord, 
been to us. I don't know about you, but I'm not, I'm not very flexible. If I were to try to bend over right now and touch my toes, you would laugh because I probably can't do it. Not very flexible. And I, not just physically, I'm not very flexible spiritually. Sometimes I'm pretty rigid. What a, what a prayer. Lord, bend us. Use me. Take me out of my comfort zone. And so here's the four things that they say from the Welsh Revival that was, was markers for it. We must confess to God any known sin we have and make right any wrong done to one another. How many of you think that one right there would stretch you? Lord, bend us. Bend us towards confession, bowing our knee before God. Bend us in our relationships so that we would treat one another as the way you would treat us. We must put away any doubtful habits. There's things in our life right now that you and I, if, we, if we're honest with one another, there's things we've allowed to become habits in our life that, that are not leading us towards the righteousness of Christ. I need to put that away. We must obey the Spirit's prompting. It must be promptly. We must hear His Spirit and say, you know what, I, I, will, I will follow. I will obey. And then finally, we must profess our faith publicly. All four of these would bend us. And Medivy, I'll be honest with you. I pray for revival. Not, not the weekly meetings. <laughs> I'm not praying for that. I'm praying that our hearts would be bent towards the Lord in such a way that we are radically changed. And we're never the same. Lord, bend us. Psalm 139, 24 through or 23 through 24, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there's any grievous way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Lead me in the way of everlasting. Know me. So let's pray right now. Lord, bend us. Father, I come to you, and I do pray, Lord, that you would bend us. That we would not be rigid and stiff-necked people. We would not be a people who won't bow. We would be a people who bend our knees in submission to you today. Lord, if there's any grievous way in us, if there's any sins that we've harbored, Lord, bring those to our minds so that we can confess them. If there's relationships that we need to mend, that we need to leave our gift at the altar and go and first make right these relationships, Lord, prompt us to do that. Let us listen to your spirits prompting and act. And Lord, give us a faith that we publicly proclaim. Lord, bend us today. In Jesus' name, amen. Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to pick up there verse 10, if you have your Bibles, and I'm going to try to close out the whole book today. So, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. 
and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the Spirit, with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in change, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak, so that you also may know how I am and what I am doing. Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. I have sent him to you for this very purpose, that you may know how we are and that he may encourage your hearts. Peace be to the brothers and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace be with all who love our Lord Jesus Christ with love incorruptible. This is God's word. Right there, the verse, verse 10, you see, finally, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Finally, this is the wrap-up to everything that he said from the first three chapters where he was giving you doctrine to now the last three chapters where he has given you duty of how to apply this doctrine to your life. He's going to wrap up this whole letter, and he says, finally, let me, let me put a bow on it for you. Be strong. Be strong. The be strong is a present imperative that means allow the Lord to strengthen you. Now, finally, allow God to strengthen you. Finally, strengthen yourself in the Lord. This is, this is a command. And so how do you become strong in the Lord? Well, I'm going to give you three quick ones before we keep going. To be strong in the Lord, you must truly be in the Lord through saving faith in Jesus Christ. Listen, you can't be strengthened in the Lord if you're not in the Lord. I mean, it seems pretty, pretty simple to say that. But if, if you do not have the dwelling power and presence of the Spirit that lives in you, how can you be strengthened in the Lord? And so be strengthened in the Lord. Ephesians 1, 19 through 23. Paul would write this earlier on in the letter. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? Do you see that? It's toward us who believe. According to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. All authority has been given to Christ, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, and he equips us to go and make disciples of all nations. He says, I'm sending you out, not in your own authority, but I'm sending you out in my authority and my power, and you're going to be able to do immeasurably more than you could ever hope or imagine because of the, the Spirit that now lives in you. So in order for us to be strengthened in the Lord, we have to be in the Lord, as Paul would say again in Romans 8, 9 through 11. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who dwells in you. Listen, if the same power that raised Christ from the dead now dwells in you through the power of the Holy Spirit... You have a power that is offered to you that is not of your own. You have to be in Christ. The Spirit has to dwell in you for you to have this strength that is given. So be strong 
in the Lord. Well, to be strong in the Lord, B, you must acknowledge how weak you really are. It is not your power. Ephesians 3, he said earlier, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. There is a power that is at work within those who are believers that can do immeasurably more than we could ever hope or imagine or think. There is a power that is offered to us, but it's not our power. I love how John MacArthur puts it. He says, the Christian life is a question of availability and appropriation. No three things. First, it's a war. Second, the power to win is available. And third, you have to appropriate that power. You can choose to be impotent and fruitless, even though residing in you is the power to do beyond what you could even ask or think. You could be lethargic, indifferent, and cold, drifting in and out of church, and still be in heaven for all of eternity by the immeasurable grace of God. But if you choose to live that way, you will forfeit the blessing God has for you in this life. And you will fail to glorify God to the extent that you should. Listen, there's a power that is made available to you by the indwelling presence of His Spirit, and you can be lethargic, and you can deny that power, and you can forfeit that power all you want, but then you will not glorify God the way that He has designed you to glorify Him. So let me ask you, are you flexible? Are you flexible or do you rigidly forfeit the power that is offered to you because you refuse to bend towards his will? Lord, bend us. We are weak and we desperately need you because we cannot do this on our own. So let me ask you, do you feel weak spiritually? Well, God's power is available to you if you are in Christ. If you feel weak today, it's available. I love this verse. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that's not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But in the te- with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's a door. There's an opportunity to escape. I, I can't tell you how many times I have been facing temptation, and at that very moment, I know the door of escape, and I ignore it. No, I'm just going to stay here a little bit longer, thinking that I have the power to withstand temptation on my own, and I can guarantee you I do not. I forfeit the power of God, and I stay there for just a little bit longer, and it leads me down a path of temptation and into sin. But he is faithful, and he will always provide a way out. He offers you the power. Now the question is, are you flexible, and do you submit, or do you forfeit, and do you withdraw? resist well it's available to those who are in Christ let me ask you do you feel weak spiritually the appropriation of God's available power requires humble action we have to humble ourselves because pride does not appropriate God's power James 4 4 through 10 you adulterous people do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is of no purpose that the Scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? 
but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Listen, there's a point where you have to acknowledge how weak you are. You have to humble yourself and say, I, I am a... I'm a person who is wretched, and I have sin in my life, and I desperately need God's power to overcome this in my life. So I need to appropriate it, as Paul would say in 2 Corinthians 12, 10. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Are you spiritually weak today? Well, over the last two weeks, you had guys speak to you, and they both used graphs. You know, I'm not an engineer. I don't claim to be an engineer. Uh, I don't claim to be as smart as John Cortinez. There's no way I could be that smart. But I tried my best at making a graph for you today. And so uh, I, I'm going to call this the plumb line of humility and the pendulum swing of pride. And this is kind of how I envision it in my mind. There is a plumb line of humility, of abiding in Christ, and yet there's... There's so much flesh in me that sometimes I will swing my pendulum one way or the other, and I will swing either towards sinful pride or I'll swing back towards spiritual pride, thinking that I can do it in my own power. Well, sinful pride tempts us to be self-sufficient. It teaches us not to be reliant upon the Lord. This is the same pride that got Adam and Eve into trouble. Well, I do want that. And so I'm going to take matters into my own hands, and I think I know what's best for me. And so I will swing myself thinking I know what's best away from God's word in my own power towards sinful pride. 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes, the pride of life is not from the Father but from the world. Oftentimes we fall into sin because we are prideful, arrogant, relying on our own understanding and our own power, and we swing ourselves in one direction. And then when we see that that's wrong, time to, time to correct. Well, I'm going to swing myself the other way, towards spiritual pride. In Matthew 16, 6, Jesus said, Watch out, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, that hypocrisy that they had, that they could follow rules, but, man, their hearts were far from God, right? So they will swing this way, and they will follow rules, and they will say, listen, I'm not going to be like that person. I'm not going to be full of sinful pride. I'm not going to follow that way. I'm going to follow all of these rules, and I'm going to be better than them. And that's why we get the story in Luke 18, 11, where a Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, thank you that I'm not like the other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like that tax collector. See, in my pride, I can either swing towards sin or in my pride, I can swing towards thinking I got all the power to withstand the enemy if I follow the right rules. But then, there's a plumb line. There is an abiding that we can do nothing apart from him. Abiding. John 15, 5. I am the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing apart from the power of God. Many of us, we're familiar with the story of Corey Timboom. She survived the uh, notorious concentration camp and then later went on to travel and speak and talk about forgiveness. And she had this illustration. She said, I have a glove here in my hand. And so she would take out a glove. This is not my personal glove. This is a little girly, but this is the one I found. 
I have a glove here in my hand. The glove cannot do anything by itself. But when my hand is in it, it can do many things. Let's hope I don't have an OJ moment. There we go. True, it's not the glove, but my hand in the glove that acts. We are gloves. It is the Holy Spirit in us who is the hand, who does the job. We have to make room for the hand so that every finger is filled. This requires that we surrender every aspect of our lives to God, allowing the Holy Spirit to transform us, empower us, and use us for his glory. Now, here's my question. Are you available? Are you allowing yourself to be filled with the Spirit for His power to work in you immeasurably more than you could ever hope or ask? Have you come to a point where you said, I'm going to bend my will to your will? Or have you forfeited the power that is available to you because you resist and say, you know what? I'd rather be lazy. I'd rather be lethargic in my spiritual life, and I'd rather not really have to do anything, but one day I'd like to go to heaven, and so I'm just going to do this with my Christian life. There's no power in the Christian life who says, you know what, I just want a ticket to heaven. No, I want to be used. Church, I want to be used for the glory of God. Do you? Lord, bend us. Bend me. Make me your own. Use me in whatever way you see fitting. I am completely yours. Fill me with your spirit. Help me to abide in you. Help me to long to be used by you. I want you working in and through me in every area of my life so that you get the glory and not me. Because honestly, I'm just going to be honest with you. Man, I can't do it. I, I can't do it. I can't, I can't be faithful enough. I can't be righteous enough. I can't be good enough. I can't follow the right rules. If it's left up to me, I'm going to fail. Anybody with me? Be dependent, church, and surrender to him. You know, the vine and the branches, you get this imagery of a, of a church, of a, of, a, of a branch, and it's, it's got living Life flowing through that branch, and it produces fruit. But how many of you have ever seen a branch that's still connected to the tree, but it's, but it's dead, it's broke? It's still connected. How sad would it be to say, you know what, I'm connected, but I'm, I'm dead. We need to experience spiritual fruit in our lives where he does a work in us. So we need to be strong in the Lord. Well, to be strong in the Lord... We must love Christ more than we love ourselves. And I'm just going to be honest with you, I think this is the hardest one. Is this not the hardest one? 2 Timothy says in 3, 1 through 5, But understand this, that in the last days, there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, 
lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form, having an appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. Let me ask you, do you feel weak spiritually? Lovers of self can have a powerless form of religious godliness that is void of true power in his righteousness. Listen, you can have a form of godliness. You can have some really good religious action in your life and still forfeit if you're not bent to the will of God and the word of God. If you're not allowing his spirit to fill every area of your life because, and here's the real reason, because you love yourself more than you love God. You know what? I, I really, when it boils down to it, he needs to be the highest affection that I have. Because if I do love God more than I love myself, I will surrender areas of my life to him. Now, my son, when we were in Bristol, he had an opportunity to share his testimony with all the students. And he quoted Paul Washer, and I was like, man, he's listening to good people. That's awesome. And he said this, the gospel does not call us to receive Christ as an addition to our life, but as our life. So here's the danger for many modern believers we can pray a prayer we can say I I really want to get to heaven I don't want to be held accountable for my sins and then we can forfeit that power and we can say you know what I'm just going to do this with my life because we have a love for self over a love for God we still have made life all about us but yet we've added Christ onto it so we can get to heaven. That's not Christianity. That's nowhere found in Scripture. No, Christianity is saying, I'm all yours. And he says, will you follow me? And you say, absolutely. I will follow you wherever you lead. I will follow you wherever you guide. And I will be submissive to your will, and I will be submissive to your spirit, and I will let you fill every area of my life for your glory. Let me ask you today, have you, have you honestly come to a point where you can look at your life and the pattern of your life and say, I've surrendered. I have bent to his guiding. If not, if, you, if you've just prayed a prayer, then I would, I would ask you to pray a prayer today. And I, I'm not going to get through the sermon because that's just how we roll here. I'm going I'm to stop right here and I'm going to say, listen, you might need today to actually bend your knee and say, Lord, bend me because I have been resisting you in this area and this area and this area and I'm not being used in those areas because I have resisted you. For some of us, it's confession of sin. You know that there's sin in your life. And I can get up here every single week and I can say, humble yourselves before the Lord. And I can say, repent of your sins. But until you come to the point where you say, I'm going to make the choice to bend, he can't use that area of your life. Because you've swung yourself in the area of sinful pride. Or, or maybe you're sitting here and you're like, you know what, that's good. You need to get on them, Jeff. They need to repent of their sins. Listen, you might have swung towards spiritual pride. And you're just following rules, and yet God's, God, God doesn't have your heart. Listen, I, I, started, I, I want us to experience revival here. I don't want to just see us 
gather for a time sitting in pews. I want to see lost people come to salvation because the Spirit is filling us and we're going out. Lord, bend us. And, if, and he's never going to use us until we individually humble ourselves before him. So today, I'm, I'm pleading with you. Finally, brothers and sisters, be strong in the Lord and his might. Because you can't do it on your own, and neither can I. So we must become weak, humble, confessing. Lord, fill us like a glove. Can we pray? Father, we bow.